Hello, my name is Ian Murphy. Welcome to Local Legends. This is a podcast where we devote this time to learn about and honor those people who have dedicated their lives and devoted their lives to service and serving others unconditionally in every way they can, whether that's their time, whether that's financially, um, with their soul, with their work, their sweat, their blood, their tears, those people who have spent year after year, night after night, thinking about and acting on ways to serve humanity with everything going on in the world today. There's so much negativity and hate, um, and split ideals and groups, and people are so quick to judge one another and to take what they believe is rightfully theirs. And so the mission that I have with starting this podcast is not only to learn about and to honor those people who have spent their lives and continue to spend their lives serving others, but more importantly, so we can learn as a culture and as a society how we can serve each other today in this world we live in. Um, Now, the main inspiration for starting this podcast um, came to me from my grandfather, James Reed, um, who I have the honor of sitting with today. Um, And he's 93 now. And um, I guess we'll just get right into it. Um, Hi, grandfather. How are you doing? How's how's your day going today? Very good. About like some of the other days, but yeah. it's good. Yeah. Um, I guess we take this time now to introduce you to the podcast. Um, so you're you're 93, right? Yes. That's awesome. When were you born? July 11, 1927. That's crazy. And you were born in Indiana, right? Yes. Where in Indiana? I was born in uh, Durban County, Indiana. That's the Lawrenceburg area. I was born uh, to the north end of the county. Okay. Now, the reason that I say you were my main inspiration to do this podcast is it's something I find pretty amazing. Uh, And you don't see it every day, but You've spent your entire life, I feel like, devoted to and serving the Lord, which in return serves people. Um, and I'd like to just ask you about, um, I guess, first starting out in your childhood, um, what what were you? What would you say would be a main influence to you as a child that? made you the way you are and made your mind and your heart the way you are to to have that desire and the willingness to serve whether it was a person or an event was is there a certain thing that you can recall that that gave you that passion well my mother was uh even though we didn't go to church much we went to church maybe on christmas or easter maybe but uh, my main uh the person that left the greatest impression on me was my mother, I think. Of course, my father left a good impression, too. But my mother was a, a lady of faith. 
And uh, I have, uh, we had a couple small farms that we farmed. We had a small dairy and uh, my dad raised some beef cattle and some hogs and the general. We were about 20 miles out of Cincinnati, so we did a lot of work that uh, involved uh, Cincinnati markets, etc. And uh, so as a child, five, six years old, I noticed my mother, we didn't always have the money to call in a vet if one of the cows got sick or one of the animals was sick. But I've seen my mother pray and I feel she prayed those animals through to health again. And then <clears throat> one day, uh, my brother and I were playing and we ran down a little bank uh, toward the road that run by our house. And uh, there was a truck coming and I seen the truck and stopped at the edge of the road. My brother who was three years younger than me didn't see the truck and run into the truck and uh, had a very serious brain concussion that ripped open his skull wow. until a portion of his brains were actually running down the side of his face. Man. I seen my mother come out and pick him up. She and my father and my brother was headed to the small town next to us there. Mm -hmm. to do some grocery shopping. And she had slipped on a clean apron, which many of the farm ladies did that to, before she went to town. Okay. And when she picked my brother up from under the truck, she held him in her arms. He had this giant hole in his head with blood and and actually some brain tissue running down his face. Jeez. She took her apron and wiped it across his face. Her clean I, apron? Yes, her clean apron. And she just wiped it across his face. And uh, she, I seen her look up and she said, God will take care of him. That left an indelible impression on my mind. I thought, to me, he had no op he had no opportunity at all of life, but to her, she had faith. And you was, you said you were how old here? Five. I was five years old, and my brother was three. I was probably six, and he was three. That was prob. I mean, that was pretty traumatic. And uh, my brother's car wouldn't start to take him to the doctor, and a neighbor. Coming out of Cincinnati, he was a carpenter in Cincinnati, and he was coming home. It was about five o'clock in the evening. I'm going to have to get for a walk. Okay. Sorry. I thought that would happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, here, I can. One second. What did she say? She said she has to take the dogs for a walk. Let me.
All right. Um, so you're saying, um, yeah, it's still recording. Uh, so this neighbor came by, and uh, he uh, took my mother and father to uh, back to Cincinnati to the Children's Hospital. The doctors wrapped up his head and said, if he's still alive tomorrow morning, we'll put a plate in his head. Tomorrow morning, he was up and jumping around in his bed and wanting his breakfast. Huh. And within a matter of three days, as I recall, he was dismissed from the hospital and came home. But they never did put a, a plate in his head, and therefore he always had this soft spot up in the in the uh, right side of his forehead that every time his heart would beat, it would puff in and out. Really? Yeah. And uh, but. When I seen my mother have faith that God would take care of him, and I was there standing right by his side when he hit the road, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and uh, it was very frightening to me as a young child. Mm-hmm. And I've seen her pray so many times and see answers come that she prayed about. So that left an indelible impression on my life as a child. I believed that there was a God who heard us when we prayed and that he answered. Okay, yeah. That's, that's pretty crazy. I never even... You never told me that story before. That, that's, that's insane. Um, that's a miracle, though. What, what comes to your mind um, when you think of living a life in service? How would how would you describe that and what comes to your mind? I think all of us have a calling. And uh, I, from a young child, felt that I, my life was to be one of helping others. And uh, I was very active on the farm and I did my best as a young person to help my father on the farm and to assist in any way that I could. I, uh, I had uh, some stomach problems that, that uh, distressed me from day to day. Most of my young life, it even hindered me in my schoolwork. Really? And, uh, and uh, then uh, the, uh, the war, World War II came along and uh, I'm uh, about 14, maybe 15. And uh, the whole world, of course, then was in uh, turmoil. And uh, many, many people, however, come together in the effort to win the war. And there was such togetherness that it's unimaginable to look at the way things are today in relations to the way that things were during World War II. Everybody, as the saying goes, put their shoulder to the wheel. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay. and uh, so at, 
at 16 or thereabout, maybe, maybe 16, maybe 17, then I went to work in a war factory because everybody that could work in a war factory worked in a war factory because of all the soldiers that had been drawn out for war. Yeah. And I worked in a war factory about maybe a year or maybe a year and a half, and then I was drafted into World War II. And uh, so my life has been one of service. And um, after the after I got back from World War II, jobs were difficult to find, and so I went back into the service the second time, just to have a job and yeah. and uh, thinking that I might just make a career of the armed services, mm-hmm. but. All at that time, I felt a tug in my heart to do something ministry-wise. I never was free from the feeling that I should be helping in other areas of of life. And uh, so I felt the call of ministry, and uh, one thing after another took place in that second enlistment in the Army, or the second engagement in the Army, and uh, so, because of circumstances that developed with, then I had gotten married, and then my wife had come to the uh, camp facilities to live with me, and uh, after about a year, she became pregnant, and and uh, the Army decided they wasn't going to be paying for any, advance, any uh, children that came into the family. Yeah. So... Uh, we didn't have much of a choice. I had to. I, I couldn't support a family without the service being able to make my support you as well. Right. Yeah. So uh, I put in for discharge and got a discharge right away, and then from there we went to, to the ministry and we <clears throat> worked in a local church for a while, and uh, the pastor there really, really. Uh, pushed me and I felt like at times I felt like he was pushing me too fast too hard yeah <laughs> but I uh, appreciated <coughs> that he was uh, uh, willing to uh, work with me and so forth you know and then one thing led to another till that pastor had changed and he had gone to another work and a new pastor had come in and he pretty much did the same thing. He put a lot of uh, of the church responsibilities on to me, of which I was very uh, I was very ready to take, and I was very willing to take. And uh, he uh, then put me in as Christian Education Director, and uh, so uh, that was uh, very exciting to me because I began then to uh, I made it my business to contact new people and to share the message of the gospel with them and to invite them to church. Okay. And uh, one thing led to another to uh, finally, after several years, then uh, we uh, decided to go into a, a missions work mm-hmm. in uh, mid-Indiana. And uh, uh, the Lord blessed that work and 
And uh, in a day when most of our smaller missions were running 35 or, or 40 people, uh, all of a sudden we were running up around 100. Wow. And uh, we, uh, we were very thankful. Then <clears throat> after several years, the, my district superintendent called me and uh, wanted me to go to a larger church of which I had no aspirations to change and told him that I preferred staying where I was. And several weeks later, he called me again and said he felt very definitely that I should change. So I went to a different church and mm -hmm. and uh, it was a rather larger church. And, and uh, uh, from there, uh, we, I think I was there maybe three and a half years, something like that. And then at that point, we changed again churches and we, we uh, changed from Indiana to Ohio and came to Newark, Ohio and established a new church in, in Newark. That's awesome. I want to take a stop um, before we get any further with, with that, which that's awesome. Con congratulations with getting into that opportunity. Um, that's pretty awesome that you got to start getting into the ministry like you wanted to. But one thing you had said earlier uh, struck me was when you mentioned about the war and World War II. And you said, uh, I think it was when you were working in the war factories, the way that everyone, you mentioned the way that society and, and everyone in the nation kind of corralled um, together rather than um, compared to like today. Yes. Um, I... Uh... In all of my years, I have never seen such uh, such togetherness as America had during World War II. Uh, Tom Brokaw wrote a church uh, wrote a, a, a chapter in his book about the greatest generation, mm -hmm. and truly, uh, it was an outstanding uh, America at that time. And that was in nineteen. That was in the, the 50s? Uh, 40s. 40s, okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, uh, the American people just came together like I have never seen and before. And this, this is after Pearl Harbor, right? Immediately after Pearl Harbor. Is if, you, if, you, uh, if you were not drafted into the military itself, you were probably working in a war factory or you were doing something for the for the war effort. And of course, there were many uh, rations, like on food and uh, on gasoline and on so many things there were rations that, that uh, the home front usually had to uh, cut back on. You know, for instance, you, you couldn't just go out to the store and buy a bag of sugar. You, uh, they only give you enough for however members were in your family. Uh, hmm. If you were driving to a war factory to work, they expected you to pick up three or four people on the way so that only one auto was being used, one gasoline uh, allotment was being used for for that uh, effort. So, ev so everyone, I mean, everyone was affected then by the war. It wasn't... Every, everybody was affected and everybody tried to do their part. Now I'm not. I'm not saying that there wasn't dissenters and and you know and 
there was a there was a very few as as I remember there was a very few uh for instance young men that would leave and go to Canada mm-hmm. or someplace to to dodge the effort yeah but they were very few but it didn't happen very often and that's uh I didn't hear of it I I heard of a few but mm-hmm. not many that's crazy when you think about that cuz I'd heard I had heard that on another podcast um with uh Jocko Willink um, he's a he was a navy seal um and he fought over in Iraq after 9/11 and he talked about, he mentioned that, about how back in World War II, um, when the war was going on, everyone was affected and, and there was like rations like that and, and families couldn't go out and just spend money as free as they had before. But then after 9-11, for example, with everything that was going on in Iraq, it's like nothing had changed at all. And um, in our country, you know, for us here at home, it's almost like we've lived, we're in a bubble, you know, where we're so caught up with these little um, issues and problems. Like I think our one of the biggest uh, concerns with Americans these days is not having good Wi-Fi connection. <laughs> and that's just pretty funny, like how you look at the contrast and it's just only been six, you know, 70 years, roughly 80 years um, of a difference. But why do you think it was that, that everyone was so together? Well, we were just coming out of the the Deep Depression, Mm -hmm. and uh, people didn't have much money, but they had a will to work, and uh, uh, so uh, people were trying to work together because we had to help each other back during the Depression. I know we lived on a little farm, and of course... Uh, of course, we had all the meat that you could think of. You know, we had beef, we had, we had pork, we had chickens, we had cows, we had milk, we had cream, we had all of those things. Yeah. So we we were about twenty miles out of Cincinnati, and a lot of the folks in Cincinnati were struggling, mm-hmm. and it wasn't a it wasn't a normal day unless you seen a man. Usually, it was a man. Uh, come walking by our house, which was, as I said, was about 20 miles out of Cincinnati. Yeah. And um, he would offer to work all day for just a dinner. Hmm. And, of course, my folks wouldn't let that happen, so they would feed him, but they didn't They did not offer him to have any work. Really? And uh, But that was a normal almost for for the day. So, that people were were actually starving in the in the in the depression. And this this was before you were born, or you you remember this? No, no, this this, this, is... uh, this was all in the uh, uh, this was in the like in thirty nine forty yeah. thirty eight thirty nine forty in that uh, time lot, and uh, uh, that was just prior to the war when mm. you know when the war started. So uh, people were kind of used to trying to help each other during that Great Depression. So there was a spirit of caring for each other, you know. Yeah. And uh, even housewives would save their bacon grease. And uh, there was uh, there was an effort, to, to, that grease they used in some sort of explosions, you know. Oh, and really? they would bring in their bacon grease into, a, into one of the... Uh, 
uh, units that was prepared for that. They would use bacon grease with some sort of bomb. So, in some the sort war. of explosion, yes. Really? Yeah. And so that was how desperate it was. They would actually save their bacon grease to, to bring it in and, uh, and turn it into the uh, government so that they could use it in explosives. Do you remember how long, because I'm not really caught up with my history like I should be. Um, do you know, do you remember how long the Great Depression lasted? Do you remember the time frame? When well, it started and when it ended? And the Great Depression started in the Hoover uh, administration. So we were talking about the Great Depression and uh, mm. I guess my point to wrap up this before uh for the first episode um is you'd mentioned the togetherness of just america and society as, as a whole in this country right after pearl harbor happened um after the great depression compared to now where everyone is just against each other it seems like and there's so much hate and disconnect it's, it's ridiculous um and it seems like that horrible experience that everyone suffered through with the Great Depression, the only way to get through it was to help each other and to work together and to have a spirit and, and a heart, a genuine heart to care for one another and, and to help your neighbor and help your, um, you know, your families and your, your friends. And then Pearl Harbor happened. Just <clears throat> It was just one bad thing after the next, but people had worked together to get through the Great Depression. So at that point, they had already, it seemed like America had already went through its own internal war of just suffering with depression and, and financially. Um, and it seems like you're saying everyone was together more back then, and you have these two horrible things that have happened, the Great Depression and then Pearl Harbor. And that's almost seems like what caused people to unite so much and then you you see like after 9-11 right after 9-11 everyone was driving around I was still young so I don't remember it but from what I've heard and what I've read everyone would have American flags out like right afterwards um and it seemed like from what I've heard that everyone was really united and together after 9-11 for a short while it doesn't seem like we've experienced anything really bad in our country recently in my lifetime since 9-11 cool yeah we'll leave here in a, in a few minutes okay okay awesome you want to wait out there and i'll be up in a few minutes okay thank you do you think that something like bad has to happen and traumatic has to happen in order for people to unite like they did well, you asked about the, what time the Great Depression had started. <clears throat> I think the crash on Wall Street happened in 29. Okay. And uh, there it went for a while just from bad to worse. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> then when President Roosevelt was uh, <clears throat> uh, elected, he began to start some government programs and and uh, began to try to put people back to work. and. And uh, some of the government programs was was successful. Others, like so many, you know, kind of fail. But uh, 
then we're, we're, we're not out of the Great Depression, hardly, and uh, the war starts. Yeah. We didn't provoke the war. We, we were, cho we chose to be on the sideline. We, we uh, of course, Hitler had started to invade all the nations around him. And, mm -hmm. and when it got to England, of course, uh, that's getting close to everything that we stood for. And so, reluctantly, the president uh, began to, his administration began to help uh, in the effort with England, you know, just yeah. with supplies. Mm -hmm. And uh, all of a sudden, we're, we're more involved and more involved. And then the, the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, and of course that involved uh, us directly. Yeah. And uh, if you, uh, you may not always agree with your brother, but when somebody jumps on him, what are you gonna do? I'm gonna fight so back. So it's yeah. that kind of a spirit that, you know, that when somebody is, is, is coming at us as a nation, Mm -hmm. then we have to defend ourselves, you know. And that's what happened during the war, and people realized that we have to defend ourselves. This is serious. I mean, uh, 2,400 sailors that one day, they're blowing into the water in Pearl Harbor. And, uh, uh, you know, and uh, it was a sneak attack from the Japanese, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was one of the most, one, it was the greatest uh, act of, of uh, uh, aggression against America, I guess. Uh, ever. Ever. Yeah. And then, you, but you say afterwards you had this unity where everyone, not even soldiers, but people, even home housewives would save their bacon grease and donate it to the army. Um, people would, if their kids, you know, like you were when the, the war first started, you were working in war factories to help out. And ultimately, we won the war. You have to look back and to credit some of that, I think, if not a lot of it, to how unified everyone was to win. Um, yeah. And it just seems like if... I've never seen a unity like that towards any sort of mission in my lifetime. And there, there hasn't been uh, that kind of unity since World War II. Uh, the, uh, you know, it was like if one dies, we all die then, and you, yeah. we all had to defend ourselves, you know, we had to defend our nation. And uh, uh, it was uh, it was a great coming together of uh, unity for uh, America in that day. And, uh, you know, we couldn't, we, you couldn't build a new house, they, they wouldn't let you use the lumber. Uh, you you only got like three gallons of gas if you didn't work in a war factory you only got three gallons of gas to run you a week hmm. you know how do, how do you get by on three gallons of gas even if you lived out in the country and had to travel several miles to town how do you get by on three gallons of gas you know yeah and it, it's not like everyone liked it but we all have to everyone suffered together to some extent to pursue through that difficult time to, to ultimately win. And I think that that's a perfect spot to leave it on this, this first episode um, is no matter what's going on in today's 
society and, and America and the world ultimately, rather than focusing so much on the problems, if we can all unify around something positive, something to to better our culture and our society. We have all these problems that everyone constantly fights over, but nothing ultimately gets done. And when you think about the fact that, like you said, you're 93, you've seen more than majority of people in this world have today. And like you said, there's never been that kind of unity in our nation and as there was in World War II, where we did win the war when it seemed like it was against all odds, really, like it, I mean, it was pretty insane, you know, but we came out on top. I, I would just have to say great deal of that was due to the unity that everyone had and, and we're focused on that mission. So with everything negative going on in the world today, if, if we can have that same unity um, and unified purpose to do something positive to help out our neighbor, our friend, even especially people we don't like. Um, then I think we'll see some serious change and and benefit for the good in this world. So thank you for, for, for spending some time with me um, today. And sure. I look forward with talking to you next week again. Sure. Thank you.